you would, turn to Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1, once again. Uh, we're going to be talking over the next several weeks about living in the Valley of Decision and where we are, and uh, so we sang even sang some songs today about uh, crossing into God's promised land, and uh, so Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is aid, Moses my servant is dead, now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give you, uh, and I've promised this to the Israelites, and I'll give you every place where you set your foot, and uh, as I, just as I promised Moses, and your territory will extend from the desert of Laman uh, to the great rivers Euphrates and the Hittite country and the great sea to the west. And no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you, and I will ever, never leave you nor forsake you. And be strong and be courageous, because I will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and courageous, or very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servants Moses gave you. And do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful in whatever you do. Do not let the book of life depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? And do not be terrified. Do not, do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp. Tell the people to get your supplies ready for a three days journey for, from now to cross the Jordan, I said that wrong, get your supplies ready for in three days from now we will cross the Jordan, here to go and take the promised land, uh, the, the land your God, your Father has given you for your own. And verse 12, because we're going to get to this in just a moment, the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joseph said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you uh, and the Lord your God is giving you rest as he has granted you this land. And we'll talk about what that means. Uh, we're kind of finishing up last week. We just abruptly stopped. And uh, as I said, there's, there's some things, good or bad, I'm not saying they're good or bad. I've learned uh, as I've led music and as I've preached a few years ago, if I messed up on a song, it would kill me. It, have you ever felt the heat come up around your collar and you're like, oh, I've just messed up. Well, I just blow on through it now. Uh, doesn't bother me near as much. And uh, so I, I used to try to finish everything I started and I finally figured out if I'm not finished by around noon, you're finished listening. So I might as well stop because uh, when you start hearing the Bible shut and the purse is rattling, then you, you're through. So uh, I've just learned it's better to stop and start over. So uh, just as a real quick reminder, I want to just touch a few high points from last week. Israel has come out of Africa. They're in the wilderness. Uh, they have wandered around now in the wilderness uh, for 40 years because they chose to take the way the most popular report was. Remember, he had 12 spies. Ten of them said, can't take the land. There's giants there. Two of them said... God is going to deliver us, and we can take the land. So there was a generation of people who disobeyed. 
And what was supposed to be an 11-day journey, and that's Deuteronomy 1, 2, and 3, there are 11 days' journey from Hebron for the Mount of Shear into Kadesh Barnea. Uh, and verse 3 says, And it came to pass in the 40th year, so that tells you for 40 years, that 11-day journey turned into a 40-year journey. And that whole generation has died off. That rebellious generation uh, had died off. We talked about three places that, that people are today. They're either still in slavery to sin, they're in the wilderness saved, but maybe just wandering around, or they're headed to their Canaan land. The same thing with churches we talked about last week. We have Egyptian churches that don't really preach the truth of God's word, that's saved by grace, and they're the blind leading the blind. We have wilderness churches that basically have have settled into a comfort zone and, and uh, their own folks and their own ideals, their own parties, and they're really happy. And then we have Canaan churches, and they've moved on, and they have new ideals and new things happening and ways to get folks here. And uh, So we talked about that, and we talked about preparation. I wanted to get back to vittles. You know, that was the word that we used, and it's in the King James Version. It says vittles, and and uh, I was looking it up, saying victuals, and how do you say that? And I looked the word up, and it says vittles, it's food. But Joshua said, prepare some vittles, prepare some food, uh, and we're going to move into the promised land. And we just talked a little bit about quail and manna and what they had been eating and living on for so many years. And um, Joshua said, get some food ready. And we talked last week about for us to move to the promised land, we, we have to change our diet. Uh, we got to get off the quail and the manna. And 2 Timothy says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. So uh, we need to be in God's word. We talked a little bit about garbage in and garbage out. And uh, so if we're going to be going to the promised land, we need to gather up some things. We need to change our diet. We need to get into God's Word, and we applied that to a church last week, but today we're going to start with the second preparation, uh, the second thing that Joshua told uh, the people to, that we need to move to the promised land, and what we're talking about is, is the promised land is a picture of, of God's promise for us, okay? For, for the children of Israel, he was moving them to a promised land. For us as Christians, he's moving us to a promised land, and that's with, his, with him and his presence. Uh, three things we're going to look at. The first was preparation. We already looked on it. And today, we're going to talk about power. We're going to talk about the power of God just a little bit because for us to move to the promised land, we have to have the power of God the Father. Now, uh, in verse 11, uh, if you're still in Joshua chapter 1, Joshua said, go through the camp and tell the people to get your vittles or to get your supplies ready. And, and we read right through things in the Bible. I know I do sometimes, and uh, I don't know if we're just trying to get to a point of finishing or we're looking for something. Maybe God's speaking to a certain way. But he said, get your supplies ready for three days from now. We're going to cross the Jordan and take possession of the land the Lord has given us for our very own. Now, there is a picture of resurrection power right here as y'all as y'all read that along with me this morning did you did you get that picture of a resurrection power now let me explain what i'm talking about y'all remember jonah you know jonah spent how long in the in the belly of a well three days 
After three days, it says the belly, the fish coughed him up or vomited him out on the shore. Abraham took Isaac to the mountain. You know when they returned? Three days later. They were on the mountain for three days, and they returned alive after three days. I don't think it's any coincidence that Joshua said, we're making our move in three days. Because throughout Scripture, we see that those three days represent something, and they represent the power of God. Whether it would be through Jonah, whether it would be through Abraham, whether it would be through the people of Israel moving into the Promised Land, whether it be the, the power of Jesus Christ being raised from the dead in three days, Joshua said, prepare yourself. Our challenge this morning is, is to go to the next level with God and to think about what we need in order to go to that next level in our own strength. We don't have the ability to be where God wants us to be. Only through the power of God do we have that ability. Only through his power, only through his strength. We don't have the personal power. We don't even have the willpower. You know, sometimes we just lose our willpower. We, uh, we, don't, we don't have that within us to, to do what God wants us to do. We're just, we're just uh, even if we know what's right sometimes, we're, we're just, we can't live a, a Christian life in our own strength because we don't have the power to do that. But we need to understand that, that we need to plug into the power source of Jesus Christ. We need to plug into the real power. Now, I'm going to read a statement. It's not my statement, and, but I really like it. Listen to it. Living victoriously is not your responsibility. It's your response to God's ability. Now, I want to read that about three times because it took me at least three times for that to sink in. Living victoriously... Is not your responsibility. It's your response to God's ability. So living in victory is not my responsibility. Living in victory is simply me responding to God's ability. It's me saying, okay, God, in my own power, I can't, I can't live victoriously, but I know I have the power of God living in me, and I'm going to respond to that power. Over in Philippians 3.10, it says, Paul says that I may know him and that I may know the power of his resurrection. You know, the greatest power or greater power than, than God that created the universe. I watched, uh, what did I watch last night? Star Trek. I was, I'm not, are you a Trekkie? I'm not either. Some are, yeah. I've, I may have seen it once or twice my whole life. I was sitting... Uh, I was sitting in my chair, it was 10 o'clock, and Star Trek come in, and Denise walked in there and said, surely you're not watching Star Trek, and I said, well, it's on. It, it was going to take so much effort for me to reach right here, change it, that I just thought I'll watch it, you know, and, uh, and they're out flying in, in space, and, and uh, you know, think about this, the, the creation of the universe, not Star Trek, but as, as far as man can see. There's creation. It, it just go look around at, at what God has created. I caught myself, John, messing with my keys, okay? Just think about how God has, has created what we see. The, as great as that creation is, as unfathomable as the power that created that must be, think about raising someone from the dead. God raised Jesus Christ from the dead because of his power. And he paved the way for, for his plan through his power through raising Jesus from the dead. Now, I want you to think about this. 
He, we have his power living with us to pave the way he wants us to go. We don't have to do it on our own. We don't have to say, you know, I've lost my power. I've lost my willpower. I've lost the personal power. I, I just can't go anymore. We simply need to understand, I have the power of God living within me. If we believe what the Bible says, when you're a born-again Christian, God comes and he dwells within you. He lives within you, and within you we have the power of God living in us. And I think till we understand that, we get worn out, we get tired, we say, I can't do what God wants me to do, I'm uncomfortable doing that, I, uh, I can't share my faith. I'm what are all those things? I, 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 I. But through the power of God, we can live victoriously because we need to understand, hey, it's not I doing this. It's God working through me, and that's how I can reach that point. Today, I'm carrying this Bible. I, I got this Bible right here, uh, I don't know, 26 years ago, I think, and my youth group gave it to me when I left First Baptist Church of Fairview, and it's Cottonwood Creek now, but, but when I left there, they... They gave this Bible to me, and I went from there and led music at a church in Melissa, and then I came to this church 20-some-odd years ago, 25 or 26 years ago. Debbie, how long ago was that? That's 25. John was born while we were here, and uh, he grew up here in this church. So 25 years ago, I've used this Bible every Sunday, I guess, for 25 years. I don't, I've swapped some translations. I write my scripture in my notes a lot of times now and and I like to use several different translations they all mean about the same but certain words mean certain things and are easier to understand so I want you to think about this Bible and I want to give it instructions this morning if I say to this Bible I want you to flap your pages at the people and let you let them see all the sermons in there you just don't do it does it or if I say I want you to to pick these notes up, and I want you to, to show these sermon notes today. Isn't that silly? It doesn't do anything. So, so I can do this, and I can say, here's the pages, here's all the things in the Bible, here's my sermon notes. So it's, it obeyed, didn't it? No, it still didn't obey. You say, well, you just picked it up, Jake. Exactly, that's the whole point. We look at ourselves sometime and think, hey, in my own power... I'm like that Bible, I'm going to preach a sermon. Hey, in my own power, I'm going, to, I'm going to get some sermon notes and I'm going to do these things. We can't do it on our own. No more than this Bible can do it on its own. It's been around for 25 years. It's, it's heard a lot of, it, it's laid some eggs. Well, it didn't lay any eggs. I've laid some eggs. And, and uh, it maybe preached some good sermons, maybe preached some bad sermons, but it, it wasn't, the, wasn't the Bible doing that. And we need to understand in us, we have the power of God working in us and working through us, and all we have to be is a vessel. Again, Philippians 4.13, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Through Christ's strength, Paul said, hey, whatever it is, I can win the victory. I can have power over any giants, any anger, or, uh, anything, addictions, lust or greed, financial giants. What? We don't have to fight them alone. He told these children of Israel over and over and over, hey, Go in, I'm going to give you the land. You're going to have some giants to face, you're going to have some things you're going to have to, to face. You, But don't be terrified, don't be discouraged. Be courageous because I'm with you and it's not your power, it's my power. And folks, whatever we're facing today, 
be courageous and, and realize it's not me. It's God's power working through me. Here's the last thing, possess the land. 12 and 13 says this, To the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said this message, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord has given you rest and has granted you this land. Now listen to what's happening here. This land, right there, that, that's right there at the end of verse 13, is the wilderness. He's not talking about the promised land. So these tribes, the, these, these Gadites and these, uh, this tribe of the Reubenites and half of the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua says, listen, God's going to give you this land. You know why he done that? You know why uh, he, they didn't move to that, that fertile, nice, promised land? It's because they became comfortable in the wilderness. In other words, they told God, hey, we're happy where we're at. We don't really want to even possess that land. There's some good land down around the river. There's some fertile soil down around the river. And, and hey, after all, we're happy right here where we're at. And God said this, okay, that's your choice. I'm going to leave you there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you there. When John was little, and he's still this way, he was in everything, everybody's business. So we were, uh, we were uh, I've been in the press box for years and years and years, and we would, things would be going on on the football field. We got John a cell phone. We could call down and go, what's going on? You know, is what, who, who's happening, what's happening? And, and he would tell us, you know, and I won't ever forget, I think I told you, we had a semi-pro team come play on our team, uh, come play on our field. They asked us to come do the announcing. I got paid for that. Can y'all believe that? I actually got paid to go announce the football game. Uh, John was in, the, was in the field house. What was his name? Bucci. <laughs> John says to the press box, says, Bucci's running an end around on the first play. <laughs> so we're laughing. You know what? Bucci ran an end around on the first play. We, we didn't know Bucci. We didn't know the nothing about the team. But he got his little nose in, in the huddle. I said, how in the world did you get that deep into somebody else's business? So they named him John Vaughn, the little Eastin boy. <laughs> Isn't that what they called him? John Vaughn, the little Eastin boy? Oh, the little East Side boy. John Vaughn, the little East Side boy. So the, the, uh, the varsity football team and, and John, I'm talking about John's four years old, five years old when it's, he became John Vaughn, the little East Side boy. And still to this day, there's two or three of those guys still call him John Vaughn, little East Side boy, uh, because that's where he grew up. Now, why would I tell you all that, not just to talk about my kids? These people stayed on the east side of the river. They became the Reubenites, the, the little east side folks. They became half the tribe of Manasseh, the little east side folks, because you know what? We're on the east end of the county. There's no correlation there, but but uh, I think there's a fourth category in churches, and I think that fourth category needs to be those, the East Enders or the East Siders. Now, I'm not saying this church, but, but you know what? The East Siders, they never moved on up. You remember the Jeffersons? Boy, we're moving on up to the, 
to the top and, and to that deluxe apartment in the sky. We're moving on up. Well, the east siders decided, hey, we're, we're satisfied being the little east end boys. It's good enough for us. And you know what? They never experienced the promised land. They never got to experience all that God wanted them to have. You know, God said, I have a promised land, and I, I'm going to deliver it to you. And it's a land flowing with milk and honey, and it's a land that's been blessed, and it's a land that has everything you want. But there were some that said, you know what, I'm, I'm okay where I'm at. I call it this, and I say this a lot. It was those folks that just like to sit soaking sour. I just like to sit here, soak it up, and, and I just get sour. I mean, I get tired of the word. I, I, I hear a sermon week after week after week, and, and I sit there and I soak it up, and I, my sponge gets to stinking, and I get sour, and I'll drop out a while, and then, uh, you know, I'll finally come back, and I'll sit soaking sour, and then I'll move on again. And listen, that was the East Enders. They said, hey, the East Side is good enough, and, and uh, we got all the way to the goal line. Oh, Bucci, he didn't make it to the goal line. He got, I think Bucci got knocked out of the game. The little east side boy may have told the other team, watch Bucci on that first play, but uh, he might have been making money off both sides. But, but you know what? The, the east siders, they got all the way to the goal line. Do you notice where they were at? They were at the river. They were standing at the river. They could see the prize, but they decided, you know what? We're going to stop right here. I'm not going to push to the goal line. I'm not going to push on to where God wants me. You know why? Because they had found a comfort zone right where they were at. They had found their houses. They had, they had found a place that they said, you know what, we can, we can just be here. And we'll just stay in the wilderness. I talked about this a little bit last week. About those churches that say, you know what, we're, we're not where God wants us, but but we're good enough. I'm happy enough. Why would I, why would I put forth the effort? Why, why would I move out of where I'm comfortable? And I want to encourage us as a church today and the individuals in this church is, is don't be easy on the east side. Don't decide that, hey, I'm, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't want to go any farther. I want to stay right here. I want to encourage you to... to to move out of that zone. I'll tell you one story that happened here in this community. I went and visited a man, and uh, I said, the, and I've told you all this before, I said, have you ever accepted Christ as your personal Savior? And he said, I'm not the devil. And I said, oh, I know. I, I wasn't meaning that. We had talked several times, so we had kind of a semi-relationship. He doesn't go to church here, and he never has, never did. Uh, but I said, uh, Oh, I understand that. I said, you know, we live lives and live our whole life and do the best we can, but, you know, there comes a point that we realize we've sinned and we need to ask Christ for forgiveness. Have you ever done that? He said, I ain't the devil. <laughs> and I said, oh, I know that. And we went on about four times. He kept saying, well, you know, I may not be perfect, but I ain't the devil. And, and I, I, I got to thinking about that. He simply was comparing himself to everyone else. He said, you know what? I'm not as bad as some. I may not be at church, but hey, I'm not as bad as this guy over here. Hey, I may be living a, I may be living a bad life, but I ain't the devil. 
And that's our problem. When we start comparing ourselves to, hey, I'm going to compare myself to the world. I look pretty good. I'm going to compare myself to this Christian over here. I look pretty good next to them. If we want to compare ourselves, we need to compare ourselves to what God is saying. And where are we at when God looks at us and where is he holding us accountable? You know what? Today, you're the only person holding you back. That's it. It, Those folks that decided they'd just stay on the east side, they were the only ones holding them back. They said, we just don't want to move to the promised land. This morning, as we bow for prayer, I want to ask you, are you just satisfied being an east sider? Yeah, it's not exactly where I want to be, but hey, I'm not the old devil. I mean, I'm making it all right. I'm happy where I'm at. Why would I go the extra mile? Why would I move out of my comfort zone? Here's the reason. God has something in store for you that's beyond our imagination. Colton sings that song and says, I can only imagine. Well, that song's talking about heaven. Do you know what God says, I've come that you'd have life and you'd have it abundantly. He wants us to have a blessed life here on earth. Now, we're not going to be satisfied here. We're, we're going to get a little taste of heaven. And, and I'm not saying you're not going to have tough times and mountains to climb and giants to face. But you know what God says, what? I, wanna, I want you to have a prosperous life. We read that in Scripture. Don't turn from the right or left and you'll be prosperous in all you do. God said, I, I have that for you. If you simply say, all right, I'm not satisfied on the east side of the river, but I want to move into God's promised land through the preparation. If you've ever accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've made some preparations. Change your diet. Get into God's word and begin to grow. Through the power of God, that that power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that power of God that's living in you, you can have that promise. You can, you can move forward saying it's not of myself, but it's the power of God living and working me and then possess what God has for you. Father, I pray this morning as we look into your word, as we really think about finding ourselves in a valley of decision, Lord, I pray that we'd decide on you, that we'd decide on the truth of your word. Father, we'd be released of the burden of serving you simply knowing we're going to respond to your power, not our own power. Father, this morning, I ask your spirit would move in our hearts. If there be any here that's never accepted you, never made that first step of reparation, Lord, I pray today would be the day of salvation. As your spirit moves, as you draw us into yourself, I pray that we'd respond to your word in Jesus' name. Amen.